0: Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper. Once again, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Matt, we are we are snowed in. We got the blizzard uh, that has come through, sort of. Um, the, the snow totals have been a little bit disappointing to the at, at this point, but it's snowed inside, and I'm not leaving my apartment for the next day and a half. Disappointing? You wanted more? we're going to get considering what they told us it was going to be you know i was i was prepared for you know a full foot of snow and
1: it's like four inches i'm i'm very happy with the snow totals that we're being given we'll see what else comes of it but
0: but we're still staying inside for the next day and a half
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: yeah but um yeah so this will give you plenty plenty to uh listen to as as you sit through the winter snowstorm that has come through with the negative whatever wind chills and you know we we can just sit here and and talk brewers baseball as we uh you know await for perhaps some brewers gifts under the christmas tree so we brought in brewers beat writer from the milwaukee journal sentinel kurt hoag to the cold brew podcast kurt a former reviewing the brew writer himself a former rtb alum Way, way back. But yes, that's true. Yeah, well what was it like in your writing days back at reviewing the brew?
2: Uh there were no rules. That's the only <laughs> thing I remember. But the the content was uh, was it good? Probably not. Uh but sometimes it was fun. There you go. That's <laughs> that's all you can ask for, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was fun so and that it's was from my fun. kickstart. Yeah, yeah, it's still fun, and you know now it's the writing's a little bit better. I hope. Uh, <laughs> I sure
2: hope so. Oh dear God.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I mean, you've gone from reviewing the brew now to the Brewers beat writer for the for the Journal Sentinel. Your first year uh, on the job on it this past season after Tom Hodrickort retired, and Kurt, your first season, and and the Brewers missed the playoffs. Has anyone blamed you uh, for this? Specifically, fellow friend of the podcast, Adam McAlvey, has he blamed you slash fired you for this?
2: Uh, I think Adam would have been pretty happy about it. Our October schedules were pretty clear this year, uh, <laughs> as opposed to recent years. Um, David Stearns did note it at at his uh, season-ending press conference. Well, not at, not at the press conference, but just in, in chatting with him. So I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe I'm the reason that everything was bad, and he stepped down, and Josh Hader was traded. Uh, and I can I can shoulder that. That's fine.
1: That is uh, quite a bit of blame to take on for yourself. <laughs> I'm fine with. I'm okay with it.
2: I'm okay with it.
1: All right. All right. If, if you want to take the the Josh
0: Hader trade blame, I mean, that is. I don't know. I would advise against that if I were you, but <laughs> especially on social media. Yeah.
2: How long? Here's here's a question. How long do you think before people are not mad about the Josh Hader trade when they win a World Series? When they win a World Series, okay. What like what if what if they don't win a World Series but Robert Gasser's good? I mean, like, how how good does he have to be for people to be like, okay, I'm not mad about it?
1: I yes. mean, it's gotta be Corbin Burns good. For yeah. okay. Like, okay. even consider not being mad at it. And there's plenty you're still going to William
2: come. Contreras is pretty good, too, just saying. Yeah,
1: yes, he
0: is. he is. They made that big trade. And, you know, it's like, you know, does that trade, you know, I was I was kind of thinking about this. And, you know, we had this on the site uh, as well. You know, when that trade came down, the William Contreras deal, um, you know, does that make the Josh Hader trade look better? Because, I mean, you, you essentially turn Josh Hader into. Uh, Robert Gasser and William Contreras plus the two other relievers plus the half a season of Taylor Rogers, I guess. Um, So like, does that make it look a little bit better? And you know, it's like kind of, I I think, but also just with the timing of it, uh, I think so many people are like, are just going to look at it and be like, there's no way that this is going to be like, no matter what these guys turn out to be, there's no way this can be a winning trade just because they traded him what they got back in those two months was not good. And then they missed the playoffs.
2: Yeah. I mean, th- this question that will be hanging over it forever is would Josh Hader have been better if he had not, like if he had stayed in Milwaukee, would he have mm-hmm. gone through that, that blip and it's impossible to answer. I don't, I, I mean, I, I would like to think that the, the, him and the Brewers would have been quicker to find a fix. It wouldn't have gotten that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll never know. We and for the most part he was like there was like 2 weeks, It was the worst pitcher I've ever seen. And then that, yeah, he was fine. He was himself. So this this has been your Josh Hader trade revisited <laughs> once again. <laughs> I I think I'm on a JR and I on our on our Pro- J- Journal Sentinel podcast. We were we were talking on the last one. I think we're on like a dozen episode streak of talking about this trade. It won't go away and I'm fine with that. Let's keep talking about it.
1: Yeah, we got close to that in, I think, just Dave talking about Trevor Rosenthal. (laughs) Just how upset he was. Brewers
2: should sign. Go out and get that man a minor league deal.
0: Minor minor league deal? And maybe don't give up another outfield prospect for him. You know, like maybe don't do that for a guy who's injured. But, you know, whatever. There we go. Now (laughs) that
1: streak continues. I, I,
0: I had to get that out there. There you go. Yeah, I mean, because like the, the Trevor Rosenthal thing, um, like we were just looking at it like a couple weeks before when he was a free agent. He did a showcase thing. We're like, yeah, go out and sign a minor league deal, whatever it is, and, and see what you can get. And then the Giants sign him. And, you know, then for whatever reason, you know, two weeks later, the Brewers like, oh, we're going to trade for him. We're going to take on his entire contract and We'll give you an actually pretty productive and good outfield prospect. I mean, Tristan Peters was mostly going to be blocked at the big league level, Milwaukee, like everyone, everyone knew that. But you give up a valuable prospect to get him when he was still injured. And then he stayed injured and missed the entire season. And they never, this is the thing that kills me, Kurt. They never put him on the 60 day injured list. They never took him off the 40 man.
2: Was he not on the six, was he on the 40 man? Like, I don't remember. Yeah, they never oh. even,
0: even on, on their official website roster, they never put him on the 60-day IL. He stayed on the 40 man the whole
2: time. And Danelson Lamette could not. Well, Danelson D- D- Lamette couldn't stay on the 40 man because he would have been able to refuse an outright assignment, which he would have done. But mm-hmm. he, he had like surpassed the five-year service time mark by like a week or something. But uh but the De- De- Lamette, now we're talking. Now th- this has been good. This is like August 2nd to 4th, <laughs> 2022 rehashed, which oh my oh my goodness, those days. Woof. Yeah. That felt like it took I felt like I was in Pittsburgh for two weeks, man. That is <laughs> I will never forget that series and the surrounding events. What a time. But you had plenty of material
1: to write about, didn't you?
2: Plenty. Too much. <laughs>
1: just not the kind of material you wanted
2: uh, it was it was pretty juicy
1: i don't know it,
2: that's <laughs> yeah. i kind of I like the juice
0: yeah it'd be nice if it were better taste it, it was a bitter juice which is really kind of the the issue because i mean just yeah looking at that whole week that was the most disastrous week i've ever seen from this front office because i mean we we've seen that the david Stearns era in milwaukee i mean that's been one of the most intelligent and efficient and smart front office operations that we've seen. And they, that whole week they were oper- operating like the Oakland A's. I mean, it was, it was so like, ha- like they they had, it seemed like they had no idea what they were doing. It was,
2: it was a, it was a pretty bad miscalculation of what they needed and uh, definitely a miscalculation of what would happen if you trade away the best relief pitcher in baseball while you're in first place. I think I think that that one, no doubt, and and they admit to that too, but yeah, i don't I don't I don't I don't think it was uh I, I don't just don't, I don't think they want to talk about that. I don't think they would like to bring that up anymore. Let's just put it that way. It's in the past for them, but that doesn't mean it has to be in the past for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, why would they want to talk about the the biggest mistake that that they made at the trade deadline and uh probably their entire careers you know but why would they want to continue talking about it ooh, months later?,
2: ooh, that's a take. I mean, I mean like, like what Jonathan Scope happened. That's true, but but Jonathan the, the Scope was The process was good, but was better.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, okay, you gave up Jonathan VR, who it's like, okay, you know, he didn't really kind of have a future there. You didn't give up a four-time all-star, you know, reliever. Like that, at least Jonathan Scope, as much as that was a disaster, at least they were a competing team making a move that was intended to help them continue eating yeah, the and improve. Yeah. Yes. Josh Hader, you're a first place I, it, team. It is, a
2: no, it is a novel concept doing yeah. such a thing.
0: Yeah. Trying to improve? Who would have thought?
1: I mean, Jonathan wow. Scope did at the very least hit that sweet grand slam off of Madison Baumgartner, whereas Taylor Rogers gave up. Never mind.
2: <laughs> he, did. he did serve up a granny.
1: Yeah. Multiple? Yeah. No, I think just one. We had the I think the co- one in Colorado was a three run, right? Yeah, that was a three run bomb. And then the Lindor one was
2: yes, it was, it was the oh. That was one of the many, the many back breaking blows. But uh I don't know. Did you guys did you, are we just rehashing everything bad that happened? <laughs> I wasn't planning on it. But yeah, this feels it's like just, this is kind of history. where we
0: ended up. I wanted to talk I want to talk the Contreras trade. You know, that was kind of the because sure. yeah. that's some good news. We we actually have some positivity here. Hey, um, happened, yep. Yeah. So you get William Contreras, you get Yoel Pions, you get Justin Yeager. So you get an all-star catcher, two relievers, one's a big league reliever, one's a minor league reliever, all for Asteri Ruiz. And Kurt, you were probably like all the rest of us as we were seeing the details slowly come out over the course of like an hour. It felt like a week. Like like from when that trade was first announced, when Sean Murphy was going to Oakland, to when we got the final details, it felt like forever. And like everyone's looking at this, were, were you thinking as well? It's like they had to have given up more than Ruiz, right? Right.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I like I I can't think of many moves that across the entire industry have been this consistent of a reaction of. That really, like that, I mean, it was, it was so one sided across the board in everyone's opinion that it almost made you pause and be like, what, what are we missing here?
0: Yeah, know. like, there had to be, like, like just looking, it's like, okay, like not only like just getting William Contreras himself for Ruiz, it's like, oh, okay, like that's a good starting point, you know. It's like, what else did did we give up? and then you hear that you're getting two more pitchers on top of it it's like okay well we're definitely giving up something else good or at least something else but no the, the those details never came Ruiz was whatever Oakland needed to to get uh to, to get rid of Murphy and Atlanta wasn't interested in any more of a return for Contreras than just getting Sean Murphy so it's like okay this works for you guys like we'll
2: yeah. we'll step in we'll take Contreras off your hands the brewers leveraged their the fact that they were needed to do this deal very well now like granted the question with that is couldn't you have gotten another team to be the third team um, mm-hmm. but only one team had a stuart ruiz who to us and like most people around the baseball industry he's a he's a, a he's a highly volatile high risk speedy outfield prospect whose bat is incredibly questionable at this point um, just lacking pop and the ability to drive the ball. But to Oakland, they, I mean, they really, really like him. Uh, and that's no, that was no secret to the Brewers. And apparently other teams across the league too. So it it, it was kind of seen as like the Brewers kind of being needed to make this trade done. Um, and they were able to leverage that into getting those two other arms as well. Now those arms aren't, it's not a fantastic, like it's not a, that, those arms aren't what make the trade but no you know you you get a a lottery ticket in Jaeger, uh, and then a you know a guy who's going to be a bullpen depth piece this year there's some value to that as well for sure
1: yeah i mean it, it fills a need we uh, i think kind of a bunch of people us included have talked about uh the need for the brewers to address that bullpen and you know add depth and add to you know some specific roles so hey you throw another arm into the mix and um kind of helps towards that but it's interesting to hear so like so the a's had expressed that interest in ruiz prior then
2: yeah i wrote i wrote all about this i think it was maybe the day after as part of explaining how the heck the brewers got away with this because i mean really they there were there would have been other teams that were would that there would have been other teams that would be interested in getting Contreras for this price um and teams that were interested in getting Contreras for this price, but yeah, the, I mean the A's had their valuation of Asturias Ruiz. It differed from what the Brewers have. It differed from what I think, probably what you guys think. Um, and I guess time will tell how right they were. I mean, I, I I think the A's know that they're getting a pretty like the the possible outcomes on their return are very high between the arms they get in Ruiz if they hit. It's a fantastic trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, you basically got no top hundred guys. Maybe you could have considered Kyle Muller that, like last year or the year before.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but then they would get like no guys of, of you know that high of a level for maybe the best trade chip on the market at the time.
0: Yeah, it, it was certainly a, a weird look for them. You know, we're, we're they didn't really need to to trade Sean Murphy, but. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're getting kind of all those guys back if they hit, you know, sure. It works great. And I mean, I, I think you could probably sell Oakland on Esterio Ruiz being, you know, the kind of a similar to, to Ricky Henderson, maybe just, just with his speed and stealing the bases, if he hits like he didn't, cause I mean, AAA hit like 330 440 on base percentage or something. So it's like, if he keeps that up, you know, and plus, you know, getting on base all the time, plus the bigger bases, stuff like that. He could easily steal a hundred bases in a full season. Um, will he hit that well in the big leagues? I'm guessing not, but hey, they really liked him. So yeah, you can just pop in and be like, hey, we'll give you your next Ricky Henderson, we'll take William Contreras and we'll we'll call it a day.
2: Yeah, walk out the door. No, no questions asked. Yeah. We get a receipt.
0: Yes, get a receipt and then just hang up and and phone it in before they can
1: change their mind. Yes. Yeah, it, it's interesting though to look at those AAA numbers and I really hope that's not uh all their valuations coming on because like we have a player in Keston Hira who just absolutely destroys AAA hitting and then he keeps coming up and striking out half the time. So I I don't know, I'm not trying to compare the two, but like it's just we we see those players constantly who do great all the way up through the minor leagues and I don't know, to have just a couple tools. I, I, hey, it's working out great for us, right? Um, but it's just, I don't know. Like, e- even if he does hit, it's it's hit plus, we talked about this on the podcast last time, it's hit plus speed. He's not a particularly gifted defender. He doesn't have a great arm. Uh, he's not a power guy. So you get a, a leadoff guy, sure, if everything, like, works out absolutely perfectly, but to trade like everything you traded for just that, all right? <laughs>
2: yeah, if I had to guess, and this is obviously kind of playing some darts, I think the I think he'll be a, a decent hit average guy. Um, and there's a there's a there's a lack of power, and that's what's super concerning. Is like even though he hit what three thirty this year at AAA, the exit velocities were still pretty bad, mm-hmm. and. So it, that limits the amount of power. He's like he's pretty good at pulling the ball in the air, which is gonna get him some, you're just gonna get Homers that way naturally. like hello, Colton Wong so after coming over to the Brewers, found his way to snuck into some homers there. But yeah, I, like you said, you you combine all the tools and he he just he the the speed is far less valuable of a tool than power or hit uh and so when you're you know there's certainly value to be had with that kind of speed but if you don't pair it with the great defense then he's kind of a shaky defender right now its value is much more limited than say a guy who you know can can possibly pop 35 homers at the big league level
0: yeah and if that hit tool isn't isn't high enough to to kind of compensate for that where you're getting on base enough to use that speed you know, then it's kind of more difficult. I mean, that, that's something kind of similar you're looking at with with Garrett Mitchell, you know, because Garrett right. Mitchell is also incredibly fast. But there are also questions about his power, uh, his, his in-game power at least, uh, and his hit tool, if he's going to be able to hit enough um, consistently uh, to, to get on base and make use of his speed. And, and we saw towards the end of the year, he got the first call, um, and he did really well in, in a limited sample size. Had a pretty high strikeout rate, but, you know, overall he was beating out infield hits. Um, he put up, you know, really good overall numbers when you look at him, And, you know, it's it's kind of a similar profile, but also Mitchell brings much more
2: polished defense out in center field. Yeah, much more polished defense. A guy that can definitely stick in center field and has a good arm uh, as well. But, yeah, I you – that – month of Garrett Mitchell was probably a pretty good microcosm of what you can expect and also shows you a, like a microcosm of what the downside is. He popped a couple homers, but uh like there's definitely a hole in that swing, like upper up top of the zone that he just struggles to get to um, struggles to catch up to velocity up there. Maybe he struggles identifying it early. Sometimes it felt like, and, whether it's a swing change that's needed, that's it's tough to pull off, you know, at the big level. But guys have done it, but uh, it hasn't really been attempted to this point. Even though I think there's, you know, scouts have kind of been pining for it for a while. If if something doesn't change in that profile, that's where the downside is. But yeah, I, I think Mitchell has. I would probably the strikeout is is a bit concerning. It makes me not say this full heartedly, but I would take Mitchell's floor over. Ruiz I think which, which is why we you know we had our our rankings last month or so and we had Mitchell I think three or four spots higher
1: Mitchell I I'm sure fans would love him to be kind of leadoff guy of the future of kind of a few of those you know Brewers young outfielders who maybe could have that profile but like you said he does have those strikeout concerns um that's kind of, that's got to be kind of the leading thing that he's got to uh, turn around before he would even be considered for that, right? Because I mean, it's great if you get if you hit, it's great if you have the speed, but um, if if you're to be a non-base guy, if you're to be a guy, you know, putting in position to score, you you can't have that kind of strikeout rate that no, high Not, of a not at all. I mean, I can see yeah. yeah,
2: the the Brewers wouldn't admit to it at least publicly. But like this, that the strikeouts were the reason they could not get him in the lineup every day. They just didn't see a, a track a way a, a, proje- a way to project consistent hitting when you strike out two out of four times in a game. That's kind of the I think the underlying message there. And so yeah, it's the same with Mitchell. Although like we said, he gives you the defense, he gives you the speed, um, and I mean, th- there's maybe some hope that the strike. Like, the strikeout number is not going to be that high. What was it like forty something percent?
0: Yeah, those was like forty two or something. I think. There's not, but, there's but yeah, sixty eight. Right? Yeah,
2: which is interesting though because he was when he was drafted. You guys remember he was like touted as a contact guy. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, kind of interesting to see how how players yeah. develop. But, in, in
0: but also, way. Keston Hero was touted as a contact guy when he was drafted. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and that we've is, seen that is with a great them.
2: mystery. Great mystery.
0: Yeah, like 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 that's a question that like, I think more, more of us need to be asking. And the Brewers certainly need to be asking themselves what happened with Keston Hira? Like what changed with him? Because he was, Keston Hira walked more than he struck out in college. You know, he, he never had a strikeout issue back then coming through the minors. He was, he was hitting well, didn't seem to have a huge strikeout issue. He was touted as one of the, one of the purest, best hitters in that class. And even as a prospect he was getting like 70 grades on his hit tool, like everything else, just always had a knack for putting the barrel on the ball. And now he's striking out 41% of the time. Like, how how did we get here in just a few short years? What happened with him?
2: That is that is a great mystery. And uh it's it's something I've been trying to get answers on, and I've gotten gotten various answers on. Uh, and so we'll probably, you know, hopefully. Spring Training maybe put together a nice little story about this uh, from what I've been working on. So without giving too much away on that, it, 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 like it, it, people's answers vary. And I guess that leads to the whole point of like, it's a mystery. Some you know, A lot of people will say kind of from the scouting side, that something changed in a swing. Um, the Brewers assert they did not try to change his swing. Um, possibility of like just all the changes in hitting coordinators uh, and philosophies in the organization at the time had an impact on him. Uh, The COVID year, like I can't, there's something certainly happened during that year uh, that affected athletes. Hello, Graham Mertz, that I think we don't really know how to, you know, how real it is or how to quantify it yet, but that'll be interesting to see down the road as the the impact that the COVID year had on athletes' it, it development, but uh, yeah, uh, to answer your question, David, it's a uh, it's still a bit of a mystery.
1: Is, is there any concern that there's like a bigger organizational concern with um, kind of the hitting development? Because I think if you if you listen to kind of what some fans are questioning, um, you look at you know how many hitting prospects haven't come up through the organization recently outside of him outside of you know Terang is here now um but you know a lot of the hitters that the brewers are bringing up are coming from other teams at this point um it, is, is there anything else to point to or is um i i know Kesson here is, is is his own isolated incident um but is anyone looking kind of within from a bigger scale
2: I th- I think the Brewers are turning the page on hitting development, at least on the minor league level. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been – I don't think they've necessarily been bad developing hitters at the big league level either. But um, between some misidentifying prospects, honestly, in the drafts like early to mid-2010s, you kind of look at the players they took uh, and some of them should not have been taken where they were. And then some some question marks like what the heck happened to Corey Ray, who scouts loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so that some of it points to – yeah, some of it does point to the minor league development of it for sure. Um, but, yeah, think things are hopefully – for them turning in that area, and it seems like they are. I mean, you look at the guys who whose stocks have risen since they were drafted, and even some of the guys on, on – our draft or signed, some of the younger – Younger guys that they you know sign out of Latin America have have good track records. Uh, and people thinking they're going to be able to hit. So it it does. There's been so much turnover in the last few years, but uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely on the upswing now. And there's guys that should have bats that impact the team at a major league level. I noticed last time, besides Hera, they had a prospect who you look at like Joey Weimer, who's not even their best prospect, mm-hmm. but like you look at that upside. And you go, that's like Hunter Pence, you know, mm-hmm. 40 homers. And Hunter Pence, but with more speed and just as good as de- defense too. So, yeah. yeah, they just haven't had guys like that in a long time.
0: Yeah, and I think we've seen definitely in the last couple of years, their their draft strategy uh, has shifted, you know, going with more the the hitterish guys and, you know, just going for who's got the best hit tool, who's the best athlete, um and just kind of working with it from there um, rather than focusing on you know power guys, you know, limited contact upside and, and things like that. And you know, you were talking about the uh you know the international, you know, players going on there and, and impact bats. So naturally let's transition to Jackson Churio oh, because yes. we gotta Jackson. talk Jackson Churio.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
0: So he comes up, you know, does the, the Carolina League dominate goes to high-A Wisconsin, continues to rake, ends up making it to double-A by the end of the year. Um, I I feel like he's going to end up starting back there in Biloxi again this season, but how long do, do you realistically think it is before he gets to Milwaukee? If he keeps hitting like he does, do you think he comes up at the end of 2023, or are we more looking at 2024 for him?
2: Yeah, the question about 2023 for me is there so many other like there's just so many possible other outcomes with other guys that would get the shot first, and some just a lot of chances there for player for someone to hit and click. You know if if it if, if Garrett Mitchell is giving you a, a three war season, there's no reason to see Chirko at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it might give you some more leverage next off season if you you know. Then it'll be really interesting to see if they move any of these minor league and these other minor league outfielders because I don't get the sense that they're particularly motivated to do that after Ruiz this offseason. So, yeah, I I could be very wrong about this, though, but even though they've been very aggressive in moving Churio up the line, I think the fact that they're still not sold on where he's going to start next year means that it might be a bit it's a, it might be a bit op, optim, overly optimistic to think 2023 is in play and i don't think they need to rush it either
1: was there any hesitation with the team did you get ever get any sense of of like actually moving him up that fast cuz i mean obviously for his age like that's super aggressive to end up with him at double a by the end of the year you've got to question like are yeah. we making the right move at least a little bit
2: i think the i think the hesitation is just natural you know, like, are okay? Are we at least at first too? This kid's, you know, just turned eighteen. He's going to full season ball, um, which is just totally different in the way it operates. You're living on your own, so much less structure, uh, your own routine and everything. Um, but the, all the reports of that he handled it really well. Super competitive kid, and with the way he was hitting at a ball, like they there was very little hesitation. At once once there was enough of a sample to say, okay, yeah, he's he's got to move up and then and then I think that Biloxi promotion was more of a why not let's throw him in get him a couple more weeks of at bats so th- there was really nothing to lose with that one
0: yeah the the Timber Rydler season was was over Biloxi still had a week or two or something left. so yeah, but I mean, yeah, he just kind of flew up and and just kind of dominated. Uh, the entire system turning into, I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, cause cause when he was down there in Carolina, I mean, that Mudcats team was almost entirely international prospects mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. I mean, they are all just kind of jammed up in there um, and it made for a really great team uh, there down in Carolina with a friend of the podcast, Greg Young uh, down there and his manager, uh, Victor Estetes, uh down there in Carolina compared him to Ronald Acuna jr. And you know we're all looking at you know the numbers like oh wow this kid's great, but then when you hear the Acuna comps, that changes the conversation entirely.
2: It does, Uh, but there's I mean a couple reasons to make the comp. I think he's probably more similar to maybe more similar to some other guys other than Acuna in terms of the player he is, but dominating that level at that age, I think like the competitiveness to um, and just the the violence with like the bat speed mm-hmm. is phenomenal. If like if you, it, I don't think he's gonna be at Wisconsin uh, next year. But if you didn't get a chance to see him in person, just some of the hacks that he'll take, even if it's a miss, it's it's just you don't you don't see a guy's be able to sink his hips in and then like just whiplash the bat through through the zone like that at that level. And then he's 18. So
0: yeah. I, I actually did get a chance to see him in uh in Wisconsin. That that first weekend that he came up, I'm just like, I gotta go. Gotta go. So I got a, I got a front row seat, like right behind home plate, first at bat, home run, dead center. I'm just like,
2: That's it.
0: This is it. He is him. He is the guy. <laughs>
2: that's that's well picked, then. That's a that's a you know, you could have gone 0 for four with two strikeouts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was his first high A homer, I believe. Matt, did you get a chance to to see?
1: I, I think I remember you I did. getting a to see him. Yeah. Yep. He played in the game that I got to go up there and see um after I sat in for the boys um on the radio spot. And I think he was single double in the one. He beat out an infield single. And then I thought he either had a second single or a double. He had a two hit, two hit game. Um, but yeah, it's just incredible. Like everything he does, he just he he has that look to him. Right. Like he has the look already um, of a guy that's like more mature than he is that like future big leaguer type swagger to him.
2: Yeah. I mean the reports on makeup, you know, that we've gotten are all glowing and that's a, that's a big thing when you've got a kid that is looking to be maybe in the big leagues at age 20, 21, but probably 20. Uh, and with the expectation, you know, the burden of the expectations as well, you know, these guys aren't unaware of where they're ranked and what they're expected to do. And that can be a lot. That can be a lot. Um, but he seems to enjoy it.
0: Yeah. So he's definitely going to be a, a fun one to to keep an eye on. Back to the big league club. Now, you know, as the yeah. off season has gone on, uh, you know, we've seen all these trades uh, go through and, absolutely nothing on the free agent market with the exception of Blake Perkins, who is not going to inspire uh, anybody to buy a ticket package. Uh, (laughs) So you you got no free agent spending uh, at this point. Um, Do you see them making any sort of move in free agency and and signing someone, you know, that, that could have some impact um, or, you know, maybe just uh, like a, Bullpen depth, arm or two down the line. Like, do you see them doing anything in free agency at this point?
2: I'm I'm still holding out some chance for some chance that there's some you know a, a guy that is able to have a legitimate impact on the team. But the thing is, those guys are going away. The secondary market is heating up, and there's there's very very little action coming from the Brewers, whether in terms of deals or or talk around them as well. So it's uh, it's a bit perplexing, I've got to say. Anywhere from a bit to very perplexing for there to be this little activity um, in addition to, you know, you, they slashed some payroll already to theoretically mm-hmm. open up a window to spend. Um, and I mean, there's still a possibility that they, you know, make a trade, take on some salary, uh to get an impact player that way. That's going to be the way they have to get a higher end guy is via trade because there just ain't none left on the free agent market. I mean Gene Segura's the best bat left and I mean not the best bat, but the best positional player probably and that's like what a two to three win player, which they can I mean they could use Gene Segura. Don't get me wrong. He would Mm -hmm. I think that's a big upgrade compared to just going to the air banking on a Bryce Turing, Abraham Toro, Owen Miller. Uh, buffet So Go get Jean Cigar, I guess is what I'm saying But yeah if, if, if they're going to make a Splash it's going to be via trade but then the question With that is everything You're hearing about The way they want to op- approach this Is not giving up the top end prospect Capital which is what made the Wilson Contreras trade Possible they didn't have to give up that Capital so It's uh yeah it's a bit murky At this point huh
1: Um, Have they given any indication yet? I know this kind of just plays off that too, in the outfield, particularly right field um, to me, like I kind of see that as a little bit of a weird spot because yeah, you brought in Jesse Winker, but he feels more DH than Mm -hmm. outfield, especially with his defense. If that's the case, you're looking at Tyrone Taylor who has been given opportunities and goes on these little bitty streaks, but just isn't quite, you know, it seems like what you want out of a starting outfielder. Otherwise you've got the young guys who aren't on the roster yet. And there's no for sure, you know, that the brewers are going to start by adding a Freelick or a, um, a Joey Weimer. They've only got five outfielders, true outfielders on the roster, mm-hmm. utility guys that can fill in as well. But the 40 man just has five of them. It, do they, do they, feel good with that? Do they want to still bolster that position a little bit? Uh, that's one where, I don't know, like I know fans want to see some of the young guys play, but there's no guarantee that they're going to until you actually see them on the roster.
2: Yeah, there's, there is, I will say the one, one of the things I was missing from this team last year was the contributions from guys that like didn't start the season on the team or, you know, Aaron Ashby, uh, b- basically your prospect level guys when you can get five six wins from that group it's a big it's a pretty big deal but the 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 question and the hesitation i have with the way things are currently lined up is you're not is is that you sort of need that from them Mm -hmm. with the way it's shaped up now you need garrett mitchell to be something uh i'm not i would not expect South Freelich to start with the team this year. I mean, he's not on the 40-man. They don't have 40-man room. Uh, they did call up Garrett Mitchell first. Uh, Joey Weimer, I think, is, has to even... There's there's a lot more development he has to do in terms of his approach at the plate uh, that they've got to work through compared to Freelich. So even less likely he starts the year with the team. Um, so yeah, you're looking at Taylor Mitchell right now. We'll have to see what they think about winker in the outfield they're non-committal really in answering that after trading him i wouldn't think you'd want to play him in the outfield very much he's been really bad
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so and they don't really have you know Bryce to they flirted with him in the outfield a little bit but i don't think especially with the way the roster lines up no you need him to play infield so yeah it's uh it's looking like taylor mitchell at the moment i think you could do a lot worse than tyrone taylor in center field i know kind of people seeing him in the everyday role for a few months. It, it kind of got, I don't want to say turned off to it, but like at the end of the day, he, he's an above average league, and above league average hitter uh, and plays a, a good, I'd say, def- defense in center field, find a good, uh, and you can do much worse than that. But you, I think if you, if you have Mitchell, you're playing Mitchell in center probably, and then mm-hmm. Taylor's value in right field where his defense isn't as important and you need more from the bat kind of diminishes. So, yeah, they got they got to get someone, right?
0: Right. You'd think. Oh, yeah. And they they, they just got – because, like, you know, you know you have the guys like Freelich and Weimer, you know, especially in right field. Like, Weimer is the future in right field. You just – like, you know he's close. Like, he's almost there, but he's not quite – like, if he's going to be ready by, say, for example, June or July, you know, whatever it is, midseason, it's like, do you want to spend $10 million on some other guy for for one year to come in and, you know, sort of block him for those few months? Or would you rather just roll with Tyrone and then once Weimer is, you know, ready, then they can just install him every single day. But you're kind of, you know, playing with fire Either way you go, you know, either you're blocking your guy or you're putting yourself in a bad spot for a few months.
2: Well, also ask Ethan small, how it goes when you're banking on a guy to, uh, it's true to kind of progress at triple a, the brewers were without rotation depth last year in large part, because Ethan small, they just couldn't, they could not rely on him to make starts. Um, so I don't, you know, like, Either, either you think from the what you saw at the last year that Weimer's ready, if, and you can put him in there in April, or he, I just don't think you can go in hope you know, assuming that by July he's, you know, he's taken the necessary strides in only three months. So that's what makes this is what makes the Hunter Renfro trade more confusing. When mm-hmm. they made that deal, it was a rather you know pedestrian return for him. But, you know, you could see, okay, clear $12 or so. Not necessarily willing to pay that. It could be allocated elsewhere, get someone else for the position. Um, And it's been a month, and they haven't addressed this spot at all. And guys have flown – I mean, Will Myers went for a really reasonable contract today, and he mashes against lefties, which this team also needs. So, who knows, maybe Adam Duvall makes sense out there, or A.J. Pollock I think would make some sense still if he can play right uh so there's a couple guys a couple guys on the free agent market and who knows again maybe a trade
0: yeah i'm i'm betting on a trade with this group just just is what yeah. they've done all, yeah. all season like like they like they don't seem you know looking to i mean like yeah you could go for a guy like you know duvall or pollock but um trade just kind of seems to be the the way that they go i mean yeah you had the renfro trade the wong trade uh the big one of course the the william Contreras trade and you know, if they can find a guy that's, you know, somewhat cheap-ish, you know, that's what they did at Ketchum. Contreras, five years of control, pre-arbitration. Um, you know, why bother spending for Christian Vasquez when you can get William Contreras, who's cheaper, you know, younger, and, and for more years of control. So, yeah, I, I'd be betting on a on a trade if they go that route. But, you know, yeah, they, they probably should do something, you know, that – we did see uh that they were talking to the diamondbacks co- at least a couple of weeks ago about a trade for one of their outfielders McCarthy or or varsho i'm guessing varsho varsho's you know the highest ceiling of the guys plus he's he's a wisconsin guy you know they, they brought in owen miller bring in varsho get get another wisconsin head, danny wisconsin jansen guys.
2: too what danny jansen they could have gotten jb fireisen too i mean they're out there yeah
0: too. Get get the whole band back together. Get Gavin Lux from the Dodgers
2: if you can. You know, yeah. I would. I'd like that. Yeah, it was one of the piece centerpieces in a Corbin Burns deal. Sure.
0: Well, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up, hold oh. up, Kurt. Back up. No, you did not. Just I, say I, that.
2: We, let's put together uh, Gavin Lux, uh, Miguel Vargas, Ryan Pepiat, and Bobby Miller. Who says no probably the dodgers actually dave says no i say no dave says no <laughs> any trade involving corbin burns i say no
0: it'd be a good haul though
2: it'd be a very good haul
0: maybe but you're giving up a cy young winner which is this is, you know, this is
2: true and and a uh, note notab- notably a uh, fifth place vote getter in the cy young from uh from from me That's yeah like,
0: see there you yeah. go see smart first man
2: first Big, big deal. 200 innings matters, kids. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely does. And, I mean, if Sandy Alcantara weren't just, you know, doing the things that he were doing, uh, it, it would be much easier for him to have a repeat. But, anyways, that's the point. Speaking of Corbin Burns, we, we've been talking about, you know, the, the free agency and the lack of spending. You know, perhaps, you know, they're paring down their payroll. Perhaps, you know, they, they got to spend it on something. One idea that I have that I think is a very good idea, okay. you extend some of your current players, and there is sure, no bigger yeah, yeah. extension candidate than
2: Corbin Burns himself. So here's the thing with that. Do it. A, hey, hey, do it. Thank uh, you. I mean, it does take two to tango. People do forget this. Mm. Uh, so so do it, but also you need uh, you need some willingness on the other end as well. Um, but, like, that should not preclude them from spending now. Mm-hmm. You, if you, theoretically, if you lock these guys up, if you know, especially on the pitcher side, if you look at the extensions that have been given out to arbitration eligible pitchers, like in their third and fourth year of service time. So they're not that fifth year. Cause then there's basically no arbitration left. Um, so you look at some of the comps that have done it like the last five, six years, generally the guys play on an arbitration esque salary for a couple years on the front. You don't have to do it that way. But, you know, give Burns 14 mil first year, 18 mil that second year. And then you start to tack on the big money uh, and when mm-hmm. what would be his free agency. Which, by the way, they, sh- I mean, you look at the books a couple of years from now, now they've got what, 18 arbitration eligible guys this year? Yeah. A couple of years, especially with the way that they operate. And you don't get to that third year of arbitration in Milwaukee, it's not allowed. Uh, they they will not have many guys arbitration eligible because that you know I I don't think will Rowdy Teles will they still be paying him you know when he's up up to that last year uh, Urias is probably a guy that they would but there's just not going to be this same same group it's going to be guys that are like at their second and third year of big league service time so this is a long winded way of saying. There's not much money on the books, and there will not be as much in the arbitration pool, which is what's hiking up the payroll relatively now. So that I mean, like that So do, do it. That, do yes, that is what I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> do it. Extend Corbin Burns. You know, yeah,
0: pay him, you know, kind of you know work its way up the next two years. Then we get to free agency years, big money, whatever it is. Cause so here's the question. What
2: do you think it takes?
0: It, it's it's gonna take over 200 million. You think 20 uh, million. An extension? Yeah. I mean, I mean the,
2: the, you, the Brewers are not going to do that. though. Right. Like I don't probably not. It's not. A, it's, I'm not asking whether they should, but I'm asking if would they probably not.
0: Probably not. No. I mean, they went 215 million total, I believe, for Christian Yelich. It was like 189 or something in new money, mm-hmm. uh, plus like whatever was on the on the end of his current contract. So I think it was like 215 million total for for Yelich you'd probably have to go something similar for, I, for Burns. I,
2: I do wonder if you would get creative. And, you know, since he'll only be, he's what, 28 this year, I think? Yeah, 28. 28 this year, so he'll be hitting three free agency at 30. Uh, we've seen that in this market, which if it's the same in two years, Steve Cohen will still be an owner, so probably will be hmm. similar. If he's hitting free agency at, yeah, that'd be, what, 31? There's... No, he'd be hitting, no, he'd be hitting, hitting it into his age 30, 30. season. Yeah, so you, Same ages are gone. The Brewers could just tack, you know, if there's a deal there in a couple years, a short extension, uh, Brewers don't have to commit long-term, but they just hike up the, uh, the average value of those two years and then let him hit the market again, you know, still theoretically in his prime. I don't know if Corbin Burns takes that, but maybe he does. Maybe it works yeah. out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a whole bunch of different ways they, they could go about it. Um, and it just, yeah, it, it makes too much sense for them to, to do it. I mean, th- this is the best homegrown starting pitcher. This is the best starting pitcher really in, in franchise history that you've ever had. Um, you know, like, like you've had some good seasons, but you know, few have had, I don't think any have really had the pure dominance that, that he's had, especially over the last three years. Um, but like, he is the best like pitcher that they have developed certainly in, in a very, very long time.
2: So here's a, here's, here's something for you, for you to process. What if Brandon Woodruff is better and has a better season? Hmm. So there's a pathway to it for sure. I mean,
0: yeah, I I think there's a better pathway to a Woodruff extension than a Burns one.
2: Yeah. I think that's fair.
0: Yeah. Until until Woodruff wins a Cy Young himself, then you know that that price is going to bump a bit. You know what? Once you win a Cy Young, that that asking price takes a leap.
2: When you've been the best pitcher in baseball statistically for the last three years, it, it, I think that just make that's going to make it a difficult scenario for the two sides to come to an extension. When the Brewers are going to be as firm as they are relative to some other big spenders that would, you know, be willing to just keep, keep the guy here no matter what.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, Christian Yelich was the best hitter in baseball over the course of two years, 2018, 2019, and they locked him up to an extension. So maybe. Is that the
2: argument you want to be making though? If you're in the extend Corbin Burns camp.
0: True. Yeah. Christian Yelich is, is more of a (laughs) warning, I guess, but
2: sometimes these things don't work out that is that is the guessing game of baseball baby
0: yeah but then you end up in a situation where it's like okay well since we're not going to extend him, we're going to trade him, and then you end up in the josh Hader situation and that one didn't really work out well for them either so they're kind of in a rock and a hard place
2: yeah it's uh you want matt arnold's job here you go <laughs> all right
0: here's the first thing i would do i'd be like mark give me 200 million dollars to give to Corbin Burns all right that's what I would do <laughs> the end The end. everything
1: else will figure itself out absolutely to to your point though Kurt like you mentioned that you know kind of backloading those contracts would be the way to go that's kind of how the brewers in the contracts extensions they have given out have operated so it kind of works out like they're they're familiar with that the the Frey Peralta extension, the very very team friendly extension, is backloaded. The Aaron Ashby one is backloaded. Christian Yelich's is like they're familiar with working deals that way. Now this is way bigger scale, obviously, um, but they've been willing to do that in the past. You you're just committing obviously a ton ton more money, um, but they know how to work contracts that way. So, oh yeah, for like sure. Much, yes.
2: These guys aren't being aren't extended yet, and it's not because of a lack of like desire by the Brewers front office and ownership to do it. They, like I kind of mentioned there at the end to David, is there has like what the Brewers are banking on is a guy wanting to be in Milwaukee, and I think the the subtext of that is like willing to give up possible future gains to a somewhat notable level to secure like being in a place a where you want and a a place where you're going to know that you're getting paid. Like it's, you know, if you put yourself in one of those three guys' shoes, two years from now, there's a lot of money staring at them. I mean, Dansby Swanson, who's had what? One good, good season just got absolutely paid. Mm -hmm. and Willie Adamas is on track to kind of hit free agency at a similar trajectory, but probably with more like good offensive seasons Um, and Corbin Burns, you know, obviously you see what Rodon got and Burns is going to come theoretically go into free agency with a much better track record. But even then, you know, those guys staring at the possible payday two years from now, any for any human, it's going to be tough to turn down. 150 million, you know, guaranteed right now, like, I don't know about you, but that would secure me and my family for quite a while. And I think generally, not, not just generally, but these guys do enjoy playing in Milwaukee. I think there's some downsides relative to other markets and players aren't, they're not, you know, they're, they're not immune to think, to realizing that as well, but guys like playing in Milwaukee. Like it's a well run organization, players like Craig Council, et cetera, et cetera. So that's uh, that's the argument from the Brewers right there, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a because I mean, we haven't even talked to Willie Domis as, as an extension candidate to this point. And, you know, that, that that's a good one to bring up as well because he's been vocal about this. I mean, he said, I want to stay Milwaukee's. Like, I, I want to have, you know, he, he was saying that, um, he like started having some conversations, some initial conversations with the team about an extension. He loves it here. He wants to stay here. Wants to play the rest of his career in Milwaukee. So it's like, okay, great. There's there's clearly mutual interest from the Brewers and from Willie Adams um, that that they're kind of that they're starting this. But yeah, I mean, you look at the free agent market this year and what it did for those elite shortstops. You're, I don't think there are any elite shortstops on the free agent market next year. Um, and then the year after Willie Damas hits Tim Anderson, I believe is likely to hit free agency that, that off season as well. So yeah, I mean, he could end up getting, you know, a whole bunch of money out on the market, but if he wants to stay in Milwaukee and they offer him a somewhat comparable, at least right now, somewhat comparable salary, you know, that's, uh, I, I feel like there's a path there.
2: Yeah. And, and like w- Willie Damas does like Milwaukee. That's not just lip service. He, so I think there's definitely a pathway for sure with Willie Adamas, uh to an extension, but like we've said, when you've got that dangling carrot two years from now of these salaries, man, it could be, it could be tempting to sort of bet on yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. So with the, the payroll cutbacks that, the, that they've done this year with the flexibility that they have in their payroll and just w- without any further, Acquisitions, You know, without any big free agent spending or acquiring a a high salaried trade target. Do you think they have to extend at least one of these guys for the fan base or or for just kind of this offseason in general to be looked at? It's like, okay, hey, look, like they, they spent their money, you know, they didn't just cut back payroll while trying to say that they're improving and contending. They cut it back so that they could extend these guys. Do you think they have to extend at least one this offseason?
2: Um, I want to say yes, but I feel like I I know how this this front office slash ownership is operating and everything is anything's on the table, including not doing anything. Um of course. And it's been like four years now where I'm in my head like this is the reasonable thing to do. Surely they will do this. And then they go trade for Jonathan Scope after like trading for Mike Moustakis. So I very rarely has what they've done matched with like what you expect them to William Contreras kind of honestly did just no one expected him to be available. Mm -hmm. Uh, They needed a catcher and they got a catcher. And so that was a big step in the direction of, huh, that that is what I saw coming. But uh, yeah, no, I, I never have any idea, you know, uh, what what they're going to do before they start doing things?
1: Who expected there to be not one but two Jonathan Scope references in this episode? This he, is where... he lives on. He does. He always will. Uh, it <laughs> seems like it, like like you're saying like it. It it seems like it's the smart thing to do, especially from a fan base perspective, like to have someone besides just Yelich, who is a franchise cornerstone, who you can rely on the fan base getting excited about year after year after year, even with Yelich, like, even though he is, you know, obviously come down from his 2018, 2019 levels, he's, you know, fallen short of his expectations and fan expectations for a few years. Now fans still love him. They still talk about him. You know, as you know, you've got kids wearing yellow jerseys. He's still the favorite player for so many fans. So it just in that sense, it feels like it just makes sense to lock up at least one of those guys for just that reason. I mean, if you're the owner of a business, you know, that's that's driving revenue. That's driving ticket sales by having another one of those guys that fans are coming to see. You would think that that alone would be a reason to extend one, if not more, of these guys?
2: It's part of the onus. Um, I, I don't think it's a it's, it's huge part of it, though. Like, the overarching goals to win a championship and how much does it advance those aspirations? You can answer that on your own. I think extending, what, a 26-, 27-year-old shortstop uh, who's really good helps that, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's very tough to develop good shortstops. Um, and they've got one in their hands so um but yeah that's
0: yeah. It's, it's also tough to develop Cy Young winners um <laughs> for sure as we've seen over the years with their history with pitching you know it, historically it,
2: this is true this is
0: true yeah I mean for, for the longest time I mean we had like who was our ace Giovanni Gallardo and like he his best seasons were like a three and a half VRA and Carbon Burns isn't even posting an ERA above three. Like like it, it's been sub three ERAs with the exception of 2019, which we don't talk about um, because that year did not exist. Uh, anyways. So,
2: so you got necessary. But exactly.
0: Necessary. So you look at, you look at the three guys. If you had to pick one that you would prefer they extend or that you think does get extended. If you had to pick one of the three, Adamus, Burns or Woodruff, who gets the extension in your opinion
2: uh my answer to who would i prefer i think is willie adamas for reasons i've just said um who do i think gets it willie adamas i'm gonna go willie all right yeah yeah i uh i i don't i don't have any like concrete reasons why but I do think there's a good, a good pathway there. And there's also a lot of should, should be a lot of willingness from the brewers to do it.
0: Yeah. A, a lot of Willie, Willie willingness, Willie Will, willingness. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know why I had to make that pun, but I did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the one that I would agree. I think it makes most sense. The brewers seem to be, hesitant to give long-term pitching contracts just because i mean you're investing a lot in the health of an arm um and you know any sort of thing can make that go haywire i mean look at jimmy nelson for example just one shoulder injury and boom he was he was never the same now luckily these guys aren't running the bases anymore uh so we don't have to worry about that but still i mean there's that kind of risk with pitchers You know, if they get injured, if their shoulder, their elbow, whatever gets injured, there's a risk that they may not get back to 100% of what they were before. With position players, it tends to be, you know, if you get hurt, you're more likely to get back to 100% of what you were pre-injury.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Probably less injury risk as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, And better aging. Uh, and Willie Davis also gives you like a guaranteed good defensive shortstop
1: too. Hey, I mean pitchers can age though. Just look at Justin Verlander. I'm sure anyone can do that. Yeah,
2: Brandon Woodruff. That's all you got to do, baby.
1: Yeah, just play into your forties, no problem. Yeah, simple.
2: Is it uh, a risk of sounding like extreme with this comp? Like Justin Verlander is not a terrible comp for. Brandon Woodruff. if you look at like how you would like him to age um and similar profiles obviously Justin burlander has you know one of the one of the two or three best pitchers of the era so that like that's not what we're saying here but like for guys that treat, have good arm care and like have taken good care of their their bodies and pitch with high velo and their fastball stays crisp that's the optimal scenario mm-hmm
0: yeah, I would, I would certainly take that on my Great. team, absolutely. I would certainly not trade them like some have been suggesting. The the, the trade rumor, people just saying like, oh, yeah, oh, just yeah. trade Burns for whatever and trade these guys. I'm just like, oh, my God, it is. Like, I, I don't know who you could get that could actually be improving your World Series hopes more than having Woodruff or Burns on your team right now.
2: Yeah, no, you don't trade them this year. <laughs> Next offseason, it'll be quite interesting.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I'm afraid of. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will dread that day so much if it ever happens. But uh, Kurt Hogue, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, thanks so much, man, for, for hopping on the pod, reviewing the brew alum, and now friend of the podcast. Thanks so much, man, for for hopping on talking brewers with us.
2: Yeah, guys, uh, nothing else is happening with the team, so <laughs> –
0: yeah who knows maybe maybe right after we're done with this Matt arnold will do something give us all a, a christmas gift and uh you know put put some uh put put yandy diaz or uh, a willie damas extension underneath the underneath the tree clock's ticking
2: it is ticking maybe who knows who knows
0: who knows we'll I find out
2: so, but maybe
0: yeah we'll find out when kurt hoag tweets it because he will scoop Jeff Passon and Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks a lot again, uh, Kurt, for joining us. Uh, that'll do it for this snowy uh, week here and Christmas week. Merry Christmas to one and all of our Cold Podcast listeners. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Food Podcast.